All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, and welcome to Primer Screwhead Talk Horror. I'm Screwhead Dan. And I'm Screwhead Andrew. And we are here once again to dissect this member and discuss horror movies. Today's horror movie is going to be the 2019 Taiwanese horror film, Detention. Uh, this is not the same Detention that we did a few years back, uh, the 2011 horror comedy, which we would highly recommend. That, that movie is fantastic. Classic, classic. Uh, this one's a little bit more Silent Hill-esque psychological horror um, set in the backdrop of one of Taiwan's defining um, global events um, that occurred throughout its history. Uh, but in the meantime, Andrew, how the hell are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. You know, things, things are going great. I just uh, I had two back-to-back 40th birthday parties this weekend. Uh, what? Uh, which was really fun. Both of them included open bars and stuff, and it was <laughs> a very interesting time. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm, I'm recovering from those two nights. Um, it was actually funny though. The first night, I ended up uh, my wife, uh, one of my wife's like old friends, basically she just tapped in and was like, "Hey, Andrew's really into horror movies. You guys should talk." And we just spent like an hour talking about horror movies and like the alien films and nice. stuff. It's <laughs> just like, all right, <laughs> this, this is good. This is great. Uh, uh, so it's, it's been a couple, couple good nights. How are you doing? Yeah, doing good. Um, honestly, I'm a little bit off right now too. Uh, not not in a bad way, but just kind of like. You were, you were talking about open bar and drinking and that sort of thing as well. Um, yeah, I went out last night uh, with my dad and his new partner, and uh, basically we just kind of had a little comedy club get together. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I'm 36 right now and just drinking. I, I had a few drinks, and then I woke up this morning, and I was just like, yeah, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> and I've never really been like a big hangover person, but mm. I just, I don't know. The, the thrill of drinking has long since lost its appeal for me, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, I, again, might have the occasional beer occasionally, but that's about it. But yeah. I've yeah. had to be an alcoholic. What's wrong with you? I know. I know. It's that. Uh, that, that, that. I think it's just as the older you get, the less and less it the, 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 the trade-off between the next day and the night uh, get worse and worse and worse. Mm. So. Fair, fair. Yeah, I'm more of a Diet Coke guy anyway. Uh, like, actually, because, uh, you know, I always prefer Diet Coke over beer. But uh, the other one of the nights, I was like, I don't really want to drink anymore. But I feel like I should, like, I don't know. It's, you know, it's weird not to have a drink in your hand. So I tried a, mm-hmm. a non-alcoholic beer. And I was like, this just tastes like ass. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, this, I, I, I thought in my mind, I'm like, it'll probably taste like Diet Coke. You know, that, that's, I don't know why my mind was like, Diet Beer must be Diet Coke. So I got it. And I was like, this isn't what I wanted. <laughs> this wasn't the same thing at all. This is just bad. And then, like, uh, towards the end of the night, after a bunch of people left, Apparently, a lot of people did the same thing, and they all were like, "Oh, you know, you know, we'll switch to, you know, we're driving home, we'll switch to non-alcoholic." And then, like, people were picking up cans, and they were all full because nobody was drinking the shit. <laughs> and it's non-alcoholic. Yeah. Everyone like opened it and was like, "Oh God, what the fuck is this?" Uh, uh, it was it yeah. was really funny. Uh, my wife, my wife got a white claw last night, um, which one? Yes, I did make fun of her for being a basic white girl, but two, um, I've had, I don't think I've actually ever tried a white claw. Oh, they're fucking delicious. So I tried it and. Um, I no no I no? tried the mango one and I did not I did not like it. Oh, I, actually, I guess like I, I'm more I'm, I've drinking more high noons than I've drinking white claws. Uh, uh, but yeah, white, white claw is a little bit. White, white claw more is just like seltzer with a hint of flavor. Is that basically what it tastes like? Is that yeah, kind of just yeah, carbonated right. water with a little bit of flavor. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I can't remember if it's white claw, 
one of the seltzer brands uh, is releasing a non-alcoholic product, uh, which is confusing to me because it's uh-huh. isn't, isn't that just seltzer? <laughs> like if, if you if you if your thing is alcoholic seltzer and then you're like, here's our non-alcoholic brand. I'm like, oh, I'm like is, are you polar? Like what what is what is this thing? Like do they add things to it so it tastes a little bit rank? So you're like, hmm, I really enjoyed. Mm. That was the thing I liked about, uh, you know, that, that's what I really craved with my alcoholism. Is I craved that, like, bitter kind of hint of flavor that comes with a White Claw. That's what I want instead of, like, a more full-flavored seltzer. That's that's what I really wanted, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. I guess so. I remember back in college, uh, one of my friends and I, we um, were just learning about, like, different drinks and that sort of thing after we turned 21. And uh, one of them was for The Simpsons. Uh, when Ned Flanders uh, and Homer go to Vegas, uh, Ned's like, okay, I'll cheat a little bit and start drinking for the first time in years and years and years. I'll order a white wine spritzer. <laughs> and it's basically just wine and carbonated water mixed together. <laughs> and I remember the bartender looked at us, like two early 20s guys ordering white wine spritzers, and he just looked at us crazy. But we didn't know what it was until mm. he finally talked about it. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, awesome. that was a good one. Did you explain to him later yeah. why, or, or did you, were you just like, "This is what I want"? No, no, oh. not at all, not at all. Of course not. Uh, we never went to that back to that bar again, but that's okay. So <laughs> I guess that could be like a cheap man champagne. You know, I, I could see that. You know, yeah, that's like, I guess I, so. I, I want to do that with red wine because I feel like that, that's even worse. <laughs> that's like a, <laughs> you know, I, I, that's how me and my buddy found out about picklebacks one night. Is we just like went to a bar and they said like a picture of like a pickleback and like give us that. <laughs> Uh, and I went to another bar now. You know, looking back, most of the drinks that I've bought in my early 20s were inspired by, like, media in some way. Like, I remember there was this gay bar we always went to um, just because the vibe was just, like, so much better than... Basically, we, we did a lot of drinking around the Bay Area of Milwaukee, which is a lot of just blue-collar, depressed, blue-collar workers. They're just drinking after a hard day at work, and the vibes were always just kind of for lack of a better word, depressing. Mm-hmm. And we met some really cool people in there and had some really interesting stories. But at the end of the day, we're just like, we want to drink. We're in our early 20s. We want to have fun. So there was this gay bar we would always go to because it was just lively and just a lot of people were talking to us and that sort of thing as well. But I remember the bartender at that place, um, He uh, we would or- always order an apple teeny uh, because of scrubs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, JD was just all like, <laughs> apple teeny, light on the apple, heavy on the teeny. Uh, yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah, I remember, yep. I remember talking to someone about that once because of Scrubs. Maybe I'll get that someday. And they're like, don't get that. <laughs> it's, like, it's what JD ordered. Like, they're making fun of him. And yes. like, oh, okay. Fair enough. And JD is the paragon of masculinity. There we I go. Mean, yeah. Yeah. Order whatever the fuck you want to order. That's that's honestly I, what I've come on down with. Like, I don't care if it's girly drink or whatever. Just order whatever. How, how many white Russians did you order after watching The Big Lebowski? Oh, jeez. I don't, I, I don't know, honestly. I've, um, <laughs> I don't know if I have a white Russian. I think I... I, I distinctly remember one time I had like a white Russian mix that I used at some point. Um, but I don't know. I've never been a huge fan of the Big Lebowski, so I don't think I was uh, ordering that uh, not through. Wow. Uh, I remember after Sideways, I was ordering a lot of Pinot Noir instead of Mer- Merlot. Um, my brother was really into that movie. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of fun stuff there. You know, yeah, but oh, speaking yeah. of like depressing bars, you know, what about a, what about a semi-desperate <laughs> depressing movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here we go. So um, I was the one who suggested this movie, so I'll go ahead and introduce like, another one of our impeccable segments right there. <laughs> uh, this one is uh, Detention, which is a 2019 film. It is based on a 2011 video game. I played the video game beforehand. I'm sorry, not 2011. Uh, this one was released in. 
2017 was the original version on Windows. However, it did get released in 2018 for the Switch um, and mm-hmm. Android in 2019 as well. So originally it was 2017. Uh, But basically, this game was made by a Taiwanese developer, Red Candle Games. At this time, I believe they've only released two games. Uh, Nope, they've released a third one called Nine Souls. I haven't played that one, actually, yet. Uh, Actually, Mm -hmm. no, I don't think it's come out yet. I'm pretty sure it has not come out yet, because I remember following this one. Uh, Let me check the Steam page real quick. No, nope, it's still not out yet. Uh, but yeah, basically they have three games under their umbrella at this point, two of which have come out. The very first one is Detention, so this was their debut game. Um, and I remember, like, as a big Silent Hill fan and as someone who lived in Asia, we we both did, and who has been to Taiwan at least once, um, I was just, like, a little bit interested to see how the cultural depiction of this, especially backed with all the historical context of this time period it's set in, which is a huge, huge part of it, uh, kind of brings it on into it. I remember enjoying the game. It was definitely an indie game. It was definitely, like, only two or three hours long. Very, very short. Um, But I did like the visuals. I did like the story for the most part. And I did like um, just kind of the vibe of the whole thing. I thought it was a great freshman effort. They did release a second game called Devotion. um, And that one was a lot less grand than this particular, than Detention. Uh, That one is basically just following a family throughout their lifetime and just kind of how... Um, you know, in Korea, like a lot of religious cults are very, very prevalent and they prey on people. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. Abe in Japan, that he got assassinated because the assassin's mother was like swept into a cult. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the Taiwan has the same issue as well. And basically, oh. um, this particular, um, the, the, the second game is kind of about that, about a father kind of being swept into a cult and kind of, you know, how the family deals with it. But it's a lot more just kind of like close-knit familial horror instead of this one, which is more horror from the oppression of the governments and also a little bit of Taiwanese folklore in there as well. Um, but basically the game, which is a very similar plot to the movie itself, um, it is set in the white terror period in the 1960s in Taiwan, which I'll get into a little bit because I did a lot of research on this one. Um, and it follows two students, uh, Wei, uh, who is our, uh, basically, um, our main boy character, Wei Tanshin, uh, in the movie. Uh, he is basically a young high school boy uh, who, you know, has a secret book club that basically reads a lot of band material. And then also Fei Rei Shen, who is the main female character in the movie as well. In the games, you play as both of them as they kind of figure out why this particular high school that they go to has suddenly transformed into like this Silent Hill other world type of thing. And the game is mostly just solving puzzles, unlocking memories. It is told in kind of a non-linear storytelling fashion as we kind of figure out exactly what this place means and what's really going on here. Uh, But it's, again, a lot of kind of eldritch, like I said before, Silent Hill horror where you can't really discern what the physics are, what the meaning is behind it. It's more symbolism if anything else Uh, but a big part of the game is this time period which is during the martial law white terror period of taiwan where basically a lot of material is banned and there's a lot of crackdowns a lot of missing people as um they're fined with propaganda or banned material and it's just it's it's a very lengthy and very uh kind of um what's the one i'm looking for um and just very very tense period in taiwan's Mm -hmm. history uh, but I, I would talk about that a little bit. This movie came out 
uh, two years after the game was made. Um, the rights were purchased basically right after the game came out and this movie did come out and was released. It pretty much, I, I wouldn't say it follows the story of the games exactly, but most of the main story beats are there and the main theme is there. The ending is pretty much the same. So if you are interested in playing the game, I would recommend playing that first and then watching this movie. But if you're just interested in the movie, um, it, it does a decent enough salad, uh, uh, retelling of the game itself. Just the game obviously has a lot more puzzles and that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that is kind of the premise of detention. Two high schoolers kind of wake up in this otherworldly nightmare period set during the 1960s white terror period in Taiwan. And they're trying to slowly figure out exactly what's happening uh, based on that. Uh, but yeah, Andrew, uh, what did you think of detention? I enjoyed it. I, 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 so I have not played the games. I'd seen them advertised. I that the cover art of like uh, um, Ray's, uh, kind of staring at staring at you on the cover art. I, I recognize that a lot. Um, just kind of seeing it on Steam and whatnot. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I you know I didn't really know what it was about. Um, I didn't look into it at all. Um, so you know I'm, I'm sure there's probably some elements left out from the game. Uh, but I don't, I really liked it. I um, I thought the mood was really well done. You know there, there's some weird kind of CG elements at times. Um, but I thought the actors did a good job. Um, I you know the mystery was there. I I am slight. My only thing I have kind of questions about is. Uh, the note at the end uh, mm-hmm. and what that implies because that kind of skewed me a little bit um, but you know otherwise you know I, I, I thought it was really kind of a, a good movie and um, you know I I don't know that much um, about uh, the white terror uh, but it did try, kind of inspire me to look into it a little bit um, just kind of figure yeah. out what's going on and I'll, but yeah I liked it yeah and I did a little bit of research because like this is such a big part of this movie like it is so I, I was really interested in kind of learning more about it um so, uh, yeah, do you want me to jump into kind of what I've learned about the yeah, period yeah. of Taiwan? Because that is a huge, big part of it. All right. Um, so basically, and this is, you know, obviously we're covering decades and decades of history at this point. Uh, but it is a big, big seminal historical moments uh, period in Taiwan's history. Uh, but basically, so... Before World War II, um, China was engaged in a civil war. It was the CCP, which is the current day kind of China political party, uh, versus the uh, Kuomintang. I'll go ahead and call them as KMT, which is what they're abbreviated as. So CCP versus the KMT. Uh, They were engaged in a civil war, uh, basically, I believe, since 1927, uh, just kind of vying for control of the country. And, um, of course, World War II broke out, and during that period, Japan basically came on in and occupied the island of Taiwan. Um, So the war was kind of put on hold for a second as they fought off this common invader, but once it was clear that Japan was going to lose, they kind of flared back up again, and then they started kind of going back and forth, and the Civil War got um, redone. Um, As we know today, the CCP eventually did win this civil war, and that was kind of the birth of Taiwan in terms of the KMT uh, was kind of exiled to the island of Taiwan, which happened after the big inciting incident uh, two years later, to be exact. Uh, But basically, during this period of like civil unrest, turbulent times, that sort of thing, they were basically just they the island of Taiwan had just gotten rid of the Japanese invaders and occupation from World War II, and now the Civil War is coming back up. Uh, The KMT basically had de facto control of the island of Taiwan at that point in time, uh, but it was still kind of very shaky, and there was still a lot of big civil unrest as they were trying to figure out, you know, exactly who's leading us, what the government is, that sort of thing. 
And I, I do want to preface as well, this is me just kind of going through and pouring through a few articles, of course, with any time period, especially since both political parties still exist today, there is a lot of propaganda involved. There is a lot of just kind of sources back and forth. This is what I've seem to be commonly accepted at this point in time based based on the sources I kind of came on into. But again, it's a very muddled history. Mm-hmm. Um, the big inciting incident was on February 28th of 1947, uh, which is a kind of very infamous day in Taiwanese history. Uh, basically, during this time, the KMT, because the CCP Chinese Communist Party, they cracked down on a lot of communist or left-leaning material. Um, so a lot of books or Western um, media or even stuff like cigarettes and that sort of thing were kind of regarded as contraband. And the KMT even had their own like version of the secret police who would basically go on in and, you know, use informants as neighbors would turn against each other and that sort of thing. And they would just disappear in the middle of the night. Um, so basically, the inciting incident was, again, the February 28th in 1947. Um, there was an elderly widow who was suspected of selling cigarettes. The, basically, agents of the KMT attacked her. Um, they struck her, and the crowd was very, very riled up about them, like, from their perspective, just beating this home, uh, this uh, old elderly woman. Um, so at chaos ensued, one of the KMT agents fired a gun into the crowd of angry bystanders, killing one of them, and basically a shit show just happens. Um, estimates are a little bit hard to find on how many people eventually died from this riot that ensued and the demonstrations that ensued in the coming days and that sort of thing, too. Uh, but the commonly accepted figures are between 18,000 and 28,000 people who have died, specifically based on that incident uh, or the fallout from that incident, which is a huge, huge number. Jeez. Yeah. So basically from there, um, martial law was officially declared in 1949. Um, and again, this was cracking down on any communist or left-leaning propaganda. Um, and basically it did not lift until 1992. So that's, um, you know, 43 years of martial Jeez. law, which is an absolutely insane amount. I believe it's the second longest period of martial law. I think Syria, if I remember correctly, was the longest period uh, let me let me double check that real quick, actually, because I remember seeing that. Uh, but yeah, basically, it was very, very long time. Uh, and the way that it affected the society at that point in time is that the um, most Taiwanese citizens, they kind of were forced to remain apolitical because any sort of left-leaning stance or anything that was considered vaguely communist would either get them, get them whisked away in the middle of the night and, you know, executed or, you know, maybe one of their neighbors could turn on them. So it was a period of large paranoia, and the safest way was just not to be political at all, not to demonstrate, not to talk about your opinions. Anything about the party was good on that front. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a very tense period, which is where this movie is set. Um, but yeah, it was eventually lifted in 1992. Um, it, it was kind of a slow rollout from what I can tell is just like, as time went on, rights were slowly restored. Um, and then of course, after the, um, one of the big pushers, the martial law passed away. Um, let me, let me find that name real quick. I had it in my notes at one point. Uh, but basically there was just a lot of just tension and secret police and just being whisked away in the middle of the night and that sort of thing as well. 
Um, so it's a great time period to set a horror movie into uh, because this theme is very prevalent throughout the game and very prevalent throughout the movie. And it's also just kind of one of those human rights violations that is lasted so long and affected so many people that I was honestly a little bit surprised that I didn't even know about until I played the game a few years back, um, which is kind of insane once you think about it. There's mm-hmm. just so many atrocities and stuff that have been kind of going on in. Uh, but again, it's you know similar to dictatorships in Korea and that sort of thing, too. During that period, there was a lot of economic growth. And um, it, again, depending on who you're talking to and depending on what opinions people have, a lot of people consider this to kind of pave the way into the four Asian tigers and create Taiwan as the powerhouse that it is today. Um, similar to kind of how South Korea and their dictatorships back in the 1960s kind of the, led to the miracle on the Han River and everything like that. So it is, you know, historians are still kind of looking over it and kind of arguing over it. And of course, you're going to get bias answers everywhere. But that is another perspective that a lot of people put forward. Uh, so, yeah, that is the White Terror incident. And that's where this movie occurs. Okay. Uh, yeah. Actually, clarification real quick. You said the Asian ti- the four sure. Asian Tigers. Are those the, the four yeah. powers in Asia? Are they the China, Japan, Taiwan, and Korea? What? Yes. Okay. Um, so basically that is a high growth economies of Hong Kong, Singapore, South Korea, and Taiwan. Oh, um, so basically, yeah. So basically those four, um, since the 1960s, they experienced rapid just kind of economic growth, rapid industrialization, and they went from being very poor countries to very... Um, economically profitable countries uh, for lack of a better word hmm. so that is uh kind of just a phrase the four asian tigers on that front um just kind of pushed on forward from there Interesting. Yeah. so yeah <laughs> and today taiwan is you know known as a big uh, tmsc um semiconductors which is used in basically everything mm-hmm. nowadays and that's a huge huge strategic resource um and you know of course there is the political conflict between them and china at the moment as well where China recognizes Taiwan as a providence of China, but Taiwan recognizes itself as its own independent country because basically they were exiled and started their own country. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, a little bit of Taiwanese history in a brief uh, <laughs> nutshell. Uh, but again, I mean, for this movie in particular, it's just the sense of paranoia, the sense that anybody can turn you in, the sense that you could say a phrase or produce a little bit of evidence of some sort of banned propaganda or banned material to turn in your neighbor, turn in a family member to basically put them away forever. That was very common back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what we're set it up to. It's a very tense kind of don't, you can't trust anyone situation, which is uh, pretty crazy. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, where do you want to go from here? I guess uh, maybe start with the general plot in terms of bringing it back down to the actual movie itself in terms of what this movie is about besides the setting. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, do, do you want okay. to summarize it? Or? Uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so basically our two main characters we have are um, Fei Ration, who is our main female protagonist. Um, and basically she's a high school girl. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about kind of what happens with her and her background and her personality and stuff like that later on, because it does tie directly into the plot. Uh, we also do have Wei Chongqing, who is the male protagonist, um, and the two of them basically, well, Wei uh, basically is part of a book club um, that basically just is run by a few teachers at the school, two of them to be exact, uh, one of which is Mr. Chen Minhui, and the other one is Miss Yin Sui Han. 
Um, and they basically get together with about four or five other students and they read in like an attic in the school about and copy down different material and that sort of thing that is banned just because they're curious, just because they want that perspective and they don't trust the governments. They, they're, they're rebelling in their own little way. Uh, Faye, uh, Fane is not part of this particular, um, oration is not part of this particular, uh, group. However, she does kind of cross paths with it. Um, and in the first, like, ten or so minutes of the movie, we basically set up these characters, their personality, and also the environment and the setting that these characters live in in 1960s Taiwan. Uh, however, fairly soon in the movie, uh, Ration does wake up, and she has found herself transported into this otherworldly kind of high school where everything's decrepit, there are banners everywhere displaying horrific phrases, and of course there are creatures that are basically stalking and finding them paranormal. Again, very Silent Hill, other world style. It's very obvious, the inspiration for this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I will say about this movie that compared to the game that I was kind of disappointed in is the monsters in the game pull a lot more from Taiwanese folklore. Hmm. Um, and this game, they kind of tied it all back, and they basically adapted the monsters to be a little bit more into the government is the bad guy, the uh, KMT is the bad guy. This is all creatures that have some sort of influence by them. Like, one of them is, like, this 12-foot-tall monstrosity carrying this traditional paper lantern, uh, which is actually based on a, one of the enemies from the game. But in that game, it's not a any sort of authority figure. It's just an actual 12-foot lantern-dwelling creature oh. based on Taiwanese folklore. Oh. Um, so that is one change that they made from the games is that everything kind of ties back into that theme of occupation and KMT and martial law and everything like that. So there, there were... Because uh, this, this was the only monster, really. There, there were other, like, other monsters in the game? Correct, yes. Um, and like each one of them had different strategies to avoid because it was another one of the games where like fighting against them was not always the best decision. Sometimes you wanted to go ahead and, uh, you know, avoid them or hide from them or that sort of thing. Hmm. Uh, they were the primary ones, but there were several others as well. Interesting. But yeah, they were all kind of based on Taiwanese folklore. And I remember that was pretty cool because I was thinking to myself, ooh, that would be really nice to kind of uh, explore a little bit about how kind of that pulls into it, um, which is pretty cool. Oh, I wonder if the so, TV yeah. series explores that more, maybe. Yeah, definitely, because that was kind of one of... I, I was a little bit disappointed in that. I was just like, oh, man, I really like that. Um, but yeah, little stuff like one of the characters, one of the monsters, you have to hold your breath, um, and if you don't, then they attack. Um, the lantern ghost, you actually have to turn your back to them and hold your breaths, and then they'll come in and lower their heads and check on you, but as long as you have your back to them and don't look at um, them, then they'll leave you alone, oh. um, that sort of thing. So, Are you given yeah. like, guidance little, on little that stuff like that. in the game, or do you figure that stuff out yourself? Um, it, yeah, they, they, they give you guidance. They don't specifically say do this or do that, but like you find environmental clues that kind of help you out on that front hmm. or it's, you know, trial and error as well. Hmm. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but as the movie goes on and this is kind of a hard movie to talk about without any like spoilers, yeah. but that is interspaced with like flashbacks of these two characters, Ration and Chantin, and how they interacted with teachers at the school and kind of how they came to be and what were the circumstances that kind of led up to it. And we do get a little bit of an explanation as to what's going on in this one, which they did change from the game a little bit, but oh. kind of still had the same message. Um, but yeah, um, so overall, what did you like about this movie? Like uh, what, what types of things kind of stuck out to you? Yeah, like, I really like the atmosphere. I thought both the atmosphere of, like, the 
the kind of military state, and you know, when they're outside of the the Silent Hill world, and then the inside when they're set in the Silent Hill world. I thought they were both really effective. Um, you know, they felt like two distinct places, but also like you know, they felt you know lived in in their own right. I felt like you know they did a really good job. Like it, you could tell that there's a budget on the film, but like not not in the sense that like it looked bad, but you tell that like, you know obviously like the it, there was kind of like minimal set dressing to a degree, but it was you know mm-hmm. it was effective what it was. Um, yeah, I, I really I thought that that was the best part, honestly. And I thought, you know, the characters were good. And the mystery was good. Um, I will say I thought I figured out the mystery really quick. Like, I, I knew what was kind okay. of going on. Like, I very early on, I was like, oh, okay, I, I get what's going on here. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that you know, but at the same time, it, didn't, like, did, it wasn't like, oh, I know what's going on. It's lame. It was like, oh, I know what's going on. Let's see how, let's, you know, let's see how it plays out. Um, so, you know, like, I, that, that part was, it was almost kind of more gratifying, I guess, to a degree. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes yeah, it's kind of like, nice. Yes, I called it. There yeah, we go. exactly. <laughs> well, like, yeah, I called it, but also, like, you know, instead of, like, I think there's sometimes, I think, when it's, it's fun to follow along a movie. But, you know, there's, there's sometimes, I think, you know, rewatching movies fun to get to see kind of how things fall into place, you know, with, mm-hmm. with you know, what's going to occur. Um, and that, this is kind of that. It wasn't, so, it wasn't like, how to say it? It wasn't like the movie was built up on the idea that you didn't know what was going to happen. Like, you know, it's a credit to the writing that you can know what the twist is, and it doesn't make the movie like boring, or doesn't make mm-hmm. you, like the movie pointless. You're like, all right, I don't know what's going to end. You know, so that that I mm-hmm. actually I think that's actually a strong a strong side for it. Um, but yeah, gotcha. like, um, you know, the monster was okay. I guess the monster to me was, eh, uh, just because like I feel like yeah, I, maybe there were three scenes with it, and one of which would it was obscured. Um, so you know, that, that I could have used a little bit more of that, I guess. But also at the same time, I think since it was more of a character study of these uh of these two kids um i thought that was you know um acceptable um but yeah um i don't know what, what, what about you what, what parts stood out to you yeah um i i really like the set design i mean the cg was a little bit shoddy at parts but mm-hmm. there was budget behind this movie definitely um three million dollars actually uh was the budgets and it made 10 million at the box office it looks like um but it was actually distributed by warner brothers taiwan which is kind of interesting oh um, yeah, no, I, I like the design. I, I liked how they did change some stuff around, but for the better in terms of just like a different medium versus, you know, video game versus uh, movie itself. And I, I, I think they still kept the theming very, very well. Um, thought the characters were fairly strong. And again, this was kind of like a very character driven movie. Um, the four main characters or three, I guess, if you don't want to count uh, uh, Miss Yin, um, Yin Suihan. Um, but yeah, I, I do really think that it kind of effectively did that. And then, of course, you know, the big prevalent theme of martial law and the oppression of the government that is laid very, very thick in this movie. Um, I think it might be a little bit too thick at points. I would have liked mm. to see something else on that front because it seems like everything kind of related to that. But that also might have been the intention because that was that was daily life at that point. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. But Yeah. Um, other than that, I'm not sure what we can talk about without getting into spoilers, because this is one of those movies that kind of quickly kind of dive into spoilers, and I do want to talk a lot about that as well. Yeah. Uh, we can't really discuss too much without the twists that come on through, because it is a little bit of non-linear storytelling, and a lot of the stuff we talk about are reveals from the third act of the movie or something like that. So, um, overall, though, you would recommend this movie? Yeah. Especially if, like, you're looking for, like, Asian Silent Hill kind of inspired horror? Yeah, absolutely. And, like, uh, you know, I mean... It's uh, I, as somebody who has not played the game, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. So you know, I, I'm not I'm not sure from from your perspective what as many as if, if playing the game detracts from it or not or whatever. But for me, as somebody who hasn't seen it, uh, and you know, I did I did not need any context from the game to understand what's going on. So like, I feel like in, in terms of that, I think it was a successful adaptation. Like maybe not adaptation of 
the game because I haven't played it, but at least it was an adaptation that mm-hmm. as somebody who hasn't played the game, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, I don't think you need to have played the game to watch it. That's great. Yeah. Because I, um, yeah, no, it, like, I, I think overall I liked the game better, but this was an excellent uh, kind of adaptation of it based on what it is. And they, they both stand alone on their own pretty well. So I would say you could do either or. Hmm. Better than Resident Evil, yeah. Welcome to Raccoon City as an adaptation? Uh, yes, oh, yes, uh, yes. Right, right, right. It's very close, though. It's very, very close. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, all right, cool. I, I think, you know, this, this really reminded me of how Resident Evil, the final chapter, how closely it ties to Resident Evil 5. That's, that's what really, uh-huh. yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. All right, so let's get into the actual spoiler territory at this point. Um, this movie is on, like, Tubi and Shudder and a couple other places as well, so it is pretty easy to find as of the time of this recording. Um, so, yeah, definitely check it out and uh, kind of take a look at it. Uh, but, yeah, we're hopping into the spoiler territory right now. Um, so those of you who haven't seen the movie, I'm going to quickly kind of summarize the movie as we go on through, and then I do want to discuss about some plot details mm-hmm. on that front. Um, but basically... We find out later on after the first act, uh, basically the big twist at the end of the first act is the in the other world, they finally encounter the teacher, um, uh, Suhan, and then also um, the other students in this underground secret book club, and they call Ration, the main character, a uh, rat. Like, she, she ratted us out, and she was the one who basically told the secret police about this book club and therefore killed them all indirectly. Um, and we find out throughout the, that through the flashbacks in the second um, act is that um, Raishen grew up with an abusive household. Her father was physically abusing her mother, and basically her mother um, subtly kind of reflected or insisted to the secret police that he was a communist sympathizer. Um, and from that, her father got arrested uh, because of her mother's actions. So she took that as inspiration uh, for the action she takes in the other act of the movie. Uh, basically, throughout this entire movie, Raishin, um is very close to one of the teachers, Chang Minhui, uh, who is one of the male teachers at the school, and they just kind of develop this kind of kindred bond. And I do want to talk about that because that was one of my problems with the movie. I don't remember feeling this strongly about it in the game, but it also could be I missed a lot of subtext. What did you think about the relationship between the two? Uh I see for for a lot of it I thought it was kind of him just like caring for her and like I thought maybe Miss Yin and misunderstood and was like you know but like but because partly because I thought Fang really read into it as like romantic and so I was like mm-hmm. okay it's kind of weird uh and then when he gave the necklace I'm like okay that's kind of weird but like you know maybe he's just trying maybe like, you know her her dad got taken away he's like you know trying to support her any way he can uh but then the ending where he wrote her the note saying I'll wait for you in the next life made me really yeah. feel like what the fuck because <laughs> um, yeah. that's that makes that that like that really that really kind of i don't like I don't, that that I don't, that obviously didn't run the movie because i said i enjoyed it but it like i really wish that wasn't there because it's just so fucking weird and kind of sketch like it, this this makes this kind of nicer guy like it almost kind of makes it weird because you make the person who is theoretically like he's supposed to be a good guy he's they're reading these mm-hmm. books he's sharing with the kids because they're like you know fighting against the oppression but then he is pedophilistic, kind of. Yes, like that's that's a weird choice to make. Um, which yeah, again, and that's something yeah. that I yeah. I, but this this one thing about this movie too that kind of really did not sit well with me was basically that um, 
the relationship between the two, it is, I, I guess in the first two acts, you can kind of see it as, okay, you know, Ration is this vulnerable teenage girl and she's, you know, going through a really rough time societally and then also familiar as well, um, familial, uh, what's the word, family. Her family is going through a rough time as well with her father being taken away and everything like that. Um, and, you know, she is framed in this movie as just somebody who doesn't know any better. You know, she's a teenager. She's a teenage student. Um, and a lot of the movie is portrayed as this very one-sided crush, which I would have been okay with because mm-hmm. I think that would have kind of tied into the themes a lot better. Um, do you ever see, uh, Atonements? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, very kind of similar theme to that. I'm not going to spoil that movie, yes. but there is a very similar plot that kind of reminded me of that oh, one. Oh, God. Um, yeah, but then, like, I just, it does seem that uh, the, the teacher, uh, Minhua, is really, yeah, it just, like, reciprocates in some way. And it's not like there's a kiss or anything romantic between the two besides this note at the very end. But it just, I think the movie tried to frame it as, like, okay, these star-crossed lovers that are kind of torn apart by the, the government of the time. And I felt it would have been a lot better as just, like, the uh, ration is, um, you know, just she didn't know any better. She was she was a teenage girl who had a crush on a older teacher. And um, oh, I did talk about what they did. Uh, but yeah, basically what she does is she overhears a conversation between the male teacher, Minhui, and the female teacher, Sui Han. And again, both of these characters are kind of part of the secret book club. And she overhears and she mistakenly thinks that um, the two of them are dating. So she basically puts a plan in motion to produce documents to hand on over to the secret police. And then she hopes that Miss Yin will be taking it away. And then she and uh, Mr. Chang could be together forever. Uh, But of course, it doesn't work that way. They both get taken away. They both get executed. And the entire group, because of her actions, all of the students also get caught in the crossfire as well. Um, including our other main character, um, Wei Chung Ting. Wait, um, so so yeah, wait, we're, so were was wait Miss Yen and him? I thought that they were in a relationship. Were they not? I thought Miss Yen and him. Uh, no, they were not. Oh, so what happens there was, I they're um, basically during the piano scene later on in the second act of the movie. Um, she overhears it as something like, "Think about what you're doing with Ration uh, Fang." could do to us um and then fan interprets that as oh to us as in they're a romantic relationship and then she runs away and then the very next line is think about the book club implying okay. that they're talking about the book club and that sort of thing okay, so no they were that. not i i don't believe they were in a relationship right, well then i understand fan confusion you know i was there too i, I, I got you i got you right? yeah <laughs> <laughs> i also yes definitely <laughs> Yeah, and I, that that is very much a blink and you miss it sort of thing. I remember, actually, I think I remember reading the Wikipedia summary after I watched it, and I was just like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. And then I watched that scene again, and I'm just like, okay, yeah. So very, very subtle on that front. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it goes on that front. But yeah, I just, again, I just, that I think that's my biggest complaint with the movie is I, I wish that that kind of romance would have been a lot more one-sided, more of a teenage crush than actual reciprocation. Um because it just kind of comes off as a little bit creepy at the very end, a little bit predatory on yeah. that friends. Because they could have easily played, uh, they could have easily played it off as like, you know, he, he's a teacher who, as you mentioned, sees this kid who's going through some shit, and you know, takes takes care of her. And I think that also helped mm-hmm. with the idea of them being like, you know, good people who are, 
you know, being persecuted by the government and you see this idea that they're looking after each other and it's this idea of like, you know, the books they're reading are about like helping each other and helping society. So it seems to kind of like follow through with that credo that he's, you know, teaching these other kids. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, yeah, then, then I guess they're, they're a thing. And like, cause it's weird when she comes over and stuff, like, you know, after the rain, he's like not looking at her. You can tell he's trying to be respectful. Like, it seems like he's like trying to avoid any of that. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. this is a bad idea. Uh, like, you know, I, I could get in trouble for this, but I'm trying to be respectful of her at the same time. And the fact that she just lost her father to a degree. But then, like, mm-hmm. you know, nothing happens. <laughs> like, I <Yeah>. mean, <laughs> I don't know. That was, that was, I, uh, that was, well, yeah, that, that ending. Did not like it. Yeah. 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 It was a, it was a little bit, it got that very bad at the end right there. But, um, yeah, I, I, I just hope it was just kind of like. Yeah, I maybe just like a little bit of a loss to translation sort of thing, or yeah, that's not it's, it's a cultural difference that's not going to be as impactful as it was. But from our Western perspective, it, it was a little bit icky. It was a yeah, little, little because, bit icky because you, you could interpret "I'll meet you in the next life" as kind of saying it's okay to move on to a degree. Like, yeah, like, hey, like you know, don't be a goat because you know she's the ghost who's staying behind in the school at the end of the movie, like twenty mm-hmm. years later. Like it could be like a you know, like you know, it, it's okay to pass on and like you know. Maybe not romantically, but maybe mm-hmm. like I'll be there. Like you know, your family's you know maybe gone. I don't know. You know, maybe that's mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it's that. Maybe that's what they're going for. But it, it definitely read like they're gonna boink in the afterlife. I don't know, man. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, it, yeah. It was I'm, weird. I, uh, I, I'm, I don't know. We spent too long on this, yes. but yeah, it's it's a little bit weird. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's also talk about the ending a little bit as well. And let me talk about the games ending because I think this movie was kind of very similar on that front. Mm-hmm. I, I do like the message that they kind of put forward. We're basically. Well, in the game, and I think the movie, honestly, is fairly similar, um, but it turns out in the game that basically this whole game, the whole other worlds, the whole, uh, the, the, the you know, alternate world and spookiness and all that sort of thing as well, um, is basically Fang being trapped in purgatory. Uh, she has died. She has been executed for her actions. And, or no, not executed. She the, the suicide later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically... It's her soul going through the cycles of purgatory over and over again with the goal of eventually she has to accept her guilt in terms of what she did. Um, You know, she was the one who indirectly got all of these people killed because she had a crust on the teacher. And it's a horrifying realization to kind of pull on into. Again, I don't blame her for the actions. That was a society she was coming on in and that she didn't know any better um, because she was just a kid. But... Um, basically the game has multiple endings depending on the actions you take and the best ending is her accepting that okay yes this these are the actions i took i am directly at fault for all of this um, and then from there um, basically her soul is allowed to pass on and move on and then we do get the final scene in the game which is basically the same as the movie as well where it's the final day years and years later after um, the martial law has ended in Taiwan and Wei, the male main character who has been with her for most of the movie is now, or the game is now a middle-aged um, older man. And he goes back to the high school, which is now being condemned and then kind of runs into the spirit of her and a big theme of just like, you know, remember all the atrocities that happened because of this martial law and overreach of government and fascism and everything like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that yeah, it's kind of like that. Um, did you get that from this movie at all? Kind of the same thing. Like, how would you describe the ending of this movie? Yeah, you know, that, that seemed right to me. Yeah, because I, I know that was the whole thing at the end, right, where she was, where she forced him out of the gate, 
and she was like, you know, you have to live on. You have to remember this. You have to like, you know, you you have to become this. I think the teacher says the same thing when he passes away as well. He says, you, I need you mm-hmm. to live. You need to remember this. You, you'll survive this. You'll but you'll like you'll carry this with you. Um, and I think that you know, I think that was also part of what the um, if you think about the idea of the banned books, it's that same kind of thing. It's like you know, it's it's the the source of that story. This you know this this kind of a, I don't know this these the books were the you know these banned things because they had ideas and thoughts that weren't you know weren't supposed to be inside. It's the same thing of him surviving at the end is that he's making it out essentially. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I, I took the same kind of story away. Um, mm-hmm. Again, then the ending was always weird to me. Uh, but I actually had a question for you about uh, Jeff uh, Way. So did did Way like Fang? Yeah, that's what I was kind of wanting to talk about, too, because this movie does it a little bit different, whereas the game kind of took space, um, the perspective from uh, Fang uh, Ration the entire movie, uh, or the entire game, um, and Wei is just kind of along for the ride. Uh, This one, he's more of a main character, however, because Mm -hmm. it it, it seems like this movie takes place in his head and his memories. Uh, Like, the events actually happens, but just... He basically gets tortured, um, the, he put underwater, and, like, um, he survives, and he's about to, well, he's about to kind of give up. But it seems like the movie kind of implies that it takes all of this way, except erration, accepting her guilt, um, all of that takes place inside her head. And then from that, he kind of stands up and realizes, oh, I gotta live to tell the story of the people who died here at this school. Um, is that what you got from it as well, or am I reading too much into this? Yeah, no, I think it's in the, yeah, I, I think I think it's I think the real yeah, I think it's the story of um, of him having wanting the will to live essentially, because I think at that point yeah, mm-hmm. he's basically done. He's not going to tell anybody. He's not going to say anything because he's he's so intent on being like the good person and not saying anything uh, in order to you know protect his friends and let that and like so he's willing to die for that. And at the end, she like what he gets from that is like, no, it's not worth dying for. Like stay alive. And that, that, that will be your defiance is being alive and having this information with you. Uh, Cause yeah. I th- I think yeah. And I guess maybe the movie is pushing forward that like both him and Fane die and they're in purgatory, but the climax of the movie basically is Fane realizing that, okay, no, I, I need to stay here. I can't live but way. You could still live. You can go on to tell the story. So maybe he's like in an in-between state between life and death. And metaphorically, he that's gives him the will to kind of move on. Yeah. Um, it, it was, it was a weird change. Yeah. I do think that part is a little sloppy. Cause like, yeah. Cause like you're saying, it yeah. is, it is most of the movie is uh, Ray, Ray's story. And um, the, cause like, you know, the, the whole ending scene is, is, is um, I forget who the person is talking to her, but they're you know they're, they're it's it's if you it's basically like um, it's way yeah, yeah way is an older man yeah well, I mean but sorry before that the the ending like the the final Silent Hill showdown is basically them oh they, yeah they, yeah like, with Inspector Bai who's basically the stand-in for the government um, yeah yeah just it, the policeman mm-hmm. and him basically just being like hey it's your fault hey it's your fault hey it's your fault you should dwell on this you should you should keep living, reliving this hell you should do this. Uh, and so that, you know, that, that, that was the main story. That was the climax of her being like, no, fuck this. Like I, you know, I made a mistake. This is my fault. I'm going to own this. Not like, mm-hmm. you know, like, like the Bay, uh, Bay is basically like, yo, like, you know, it's, you know, it wasn't your fault and you know, you had no choice. This is, you know, this is, but at the end of her taking control of it's what kind of ended the cycle essentially. And so, but then to go from that to like, I'm going to tell, I'm going to somehow bring the guy I killed who is way back to life and tell him to live mm-hmm. is a little weird because he, he wasn't really there for I think a lot of self-discovery at the end there yeah um, so that, that part did feel a little sloppy um, not, not something you can't overlook I, I think in the moment it works but when you sit back you're like wait a second <laughs> um, 
Okay, I don't want to think about this too hard. Like, I get what they were going for, but if you think about it too hard, it's just like, eh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think, like, or maybe it's that idea that, like, uh, for him at least, uh, maybe having, having, because I think part of it is he thinks that he fucked up, right? Because mm-hmm. that's part of it. So I guess that is kind of it. It's she, she takes ownership of her guilt, which alleviates him of his. I think part of what we got in the story is that he thought that because he went and got the book for her, it's his fault. And she's like, no, no, like, you, like I, I actively chose to do this. You weren't, this wasn't you. This was at me actively doing this. Like, I manipulated you. Uh, this was not me. This was not you. Like, I think he was taking onus of what happened. Um, I think that's mm-hmm. part of what that was, is that he, he, didn't let him, he didn't want to live because he fucked everything up. Uh, and then he realized that it wasn't necessarily him. Um, so then he's like, you know, I'll, I'll live, I guess, because it wasn't me. I didn't, I didn't kill my friends. Mm-hmm. Which is also kind of weird. It's kind of like I didn't kill my friends, but she did. <laughs> like I don't know. Weird, yeah, weird stuff. It's it's it's. I, I get I get what they're trying to do again, but it's it's a uh, it's a little muddled. Again, yeah, the changes to his character were a little bit a uh, little bit iffy. And in the in the game, does he live as well? So yeah, yeah, he has to live, right? You said based on the yes, ending. yeah. The ending scene is basically shot for shot the same. Him returning back to the school. Well, again, it depends on the ending, but yeah, yeah. It's pretty much the same. So them trying to leave and him being like, come leave with me. And she's like, nah, bro, I'm like, I'm like, uh, no, dead. that's, well, I don't remember that scene being in the game, okay. honestly, but again, it's been a few years, but the ending scene where he's walking up to the school and sits down at the desk and sees the spirit of Fang. Yeah, that, that is exactly from the game. And passes her a lovely, well, also the weird thing about that is, so imagine, imagine you're like dying and like, you know, in a, a jail cell, you know, you're gonna get executed. And the teacher next to you is like, hey, can you like, give this contraband book which is why you're in jail in the first place uh <laughs> to this girl that i like who i like he he says to give it to you know he doesn't say her name but like he the teacher clearly thought he was giving him enough information for him to know like that you know, <laughs> that student i was having an affair with <laughs> like yeah uh who, you know wink who, wink who uh-huh. weighs like i liked her I, it's what i picked up from the movie <laughs> like uh-huh. uh that's that's a little <laughs> weird um it is those are some choices, um, I guess. Uh, but again, didn't didn't really enjoy another movie for me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was a little bit of fun. Mm. But yeah, what other uh, what other things did you like about this movie or story beats or anything you want to talk about in particular? I mean, I, I liked Doll Guy. Doll Guy was cool. Doll Doll Guy's going going scheme of him. Uh, uh, I, I liked I liked that scene where everybody uh, I don't know everyone's being assholes. So that there's a guy who brings up a doll in the beginning of the movie, and everyone kind of calls him a dunce essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And like I don't know, I, I know I know it's not really the same thing, but again, it was supposed to be a good reflection of um, Mr. Chang's character, of how basically he's like, yeah, this guy's not a revolutionary, but he just like belongs and wants to place have a place to like you know feel like he's accepted. I'm like oh, that was, that was a nice little character moment. Um, but I I thought they did a good job making his character sympathetic, because uh, you know they imply that he's the guy who, who told everybody, and it's revealed that he's not, and he is just kind of like a doof who like is scared, and you're like you know doesn't also is not thriving in this society where everything is so strict, um, which is kind of, again, like a nice, you know, way of commenting on what's going on in this kind of military state where he, you know, this character who's kind of a goofball who just, like, you know, wants to play with his, play with his puppets and stuff and just like, wants to, you know, be, an, an art, I guess, artistic in his own way. Uh, you know, probably a YouTuber in today's modern day. Uh, you know, he, <laughs> um, he gets basically not only, like, everyone treat him poorly, everyone accuses him of being the guy who loses everything, but then uh, he just gets kind of brutally killed. <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> which isn't you know, which again, I think I think is that idea that it is, um, you know, show, showing the repression, the 
repression of the people during the time. Um, mm-hmm. And then, actually, I can't remember. So the guy who got killed by the fireplace, that was a different guy, too, right? That was the other, that was another boy? Mm-hmm. Fireplace, fireplace. I don't remember that one. Oh, by, by, sorry, by the fire outside. That was, that was, that was a different Oh, one. yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah was, that was one of the other boys. In the, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't him. He was, one who, um, he was one who was copying, who kept copying the text, right? Yeah, yeah, he was just like, I want to, no, he, he wanted, so basically, this book club, one of the big parts they do is they copy the text, but they also copy, like, the pictures and stuff, and this mm. guy was just like, yeah, I want to copy the pictures as well. Yeah, he wanted I want to make sure we get everything. Yeah, which, again, is, is, is showing the, because, you know, it's showing in purgatory, it's showing the kid with the doll, his doll is broken, and he can't play with it anymore, uh, and then uh, this kid is the one who, yeah, who was so intent on making the, the copies perfect, and then he's burning them in, in hell or in the purgatory. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, of how much he fucked over his life and everything. And it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's those kind of effective moments. Because I feel like this movie isn't really scary. I never felt scared by this movie. Um, oh, yeah. But it was that, like, Silent Hill kind of creeping dread of, like, what's going on. And, like, just knowing they were, like, mm-hmm. you, you know, other than these two characters, uh, you know, you knew that nobody was going to have a good ending. Even them, you knew they weren't going to have a good ending. You knew it was going to end. It's on, on kind of a either, hey, they're dead the whole time, or yeah, you know, maybe one of them will survive somehow. Um, yeah, yeah, at no point did you feel like any character was in control of what's actually happening. It's just kind of like you're seeing the events play out. It's like there, there's something more cosmic and sinister behind the scenes that's taking care of all these characters and, uh, and their, their fate has already been set. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 But yeah. All right, cool. Uh, anything else you want to talk about this movie, honestly? Um, like I said, I, I recommend it. I definitely kind of look into the period if it's something that interests you a little bit more in terms of how this kind of came to be. Um, I will say I, I did want to talk a little bit about the company that made uh, Detention, mm. uh, Red Candle Games. Uh, they did make another one, like I mentioned before. Uh, this one is a little bit more personal. Devotion um, is what it's called. And I believe they're both back on Steam now. Uh, but basically... That one came out in 2019, and that's more of a first-person kind of horror game about a family who um, one of the members of the family is slowly falling to a cult and just kind of how that works. Um, it, it's told over a period of several years. You kind of pop into their life in each pivotal moment in that. Um, and it's a lot of cool environmental storytelling I really liked, and it's also one of those stories that kind of pieces it together on that front. So I definitely would recommend that. I would say that's probably a better game than Detention overall, um, but uh, and, and definitely a lot scarier because Detention is it, it's cool atmosphere, but it's definitely very very indie on that front. Um, uh, yeah, they say um, yeah, Red Candle Games said they kind of drew inspiration from stuff like PT and Layers of Fear and What Remains of Edith Finch and stuff like that. So kind of similar to that sort of thing. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, it is a little steeped in a little bit of controversy. Uh, basically, after the game was released, there was an Easter... Well, not even an Easter egg, but uh, there was a file in the game's files uh, that was unused in the actual game, but it was a Winnie the Pooh joke for uh, she, the uh, general secretary of the CCP. And because of that, there was a huge shitstorm with the Chinese markets, and um, it was removed from Steam. I'm not sure. I, I don't think Valve removed it. I think they removed it themselves. But for the longest time, it was kind of a, oh, shit, they pissed off China. Like, are, are some of these developers based out of Hong Kong or something like that? Did they actually get taken away? Um, so it was a whole big controversy for a while. We're just like, okay, these two games, which, you know, people were excited about. Now the studio has completely gone radio silent due to this. It's, it's kind of scary. Oh. Uh, but thankfully, they did come back. Um, and both of these games are re-released in 2021. Um, and you can find both of these again. So I definitely would recommend 
trying to play them or trying to figure it out. Um, but it's kind of a, it, it was a whole news article back in 2019. So. Well, I'm wondering, cause yeah. the, I, I know that, so this movie, um, this movie was produced by Warner Bros. Taiwan, but I think the yes. TV series is produced, uh, I thought I saw that it was produced in China, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, it's like, you know, given the, the context of the, of the story, I wonder, I wonder, yeah, cause they... I know this movie, this movie was released every nominated for some sort of Chinese award, and then they didn't like they they couldn't display it in China. So I remember let me let me find the actual thing real quick. Here we go. Yeah, the film this film is banned in China, and mention of the film is scrubbed from all mainline Chinese websites. It was nominated for the fifty six Golden Horse Awards, which is basically a Chinese award show. I'm sorry, a Taiwanese award show, basically honoring best in Chinese language films. And because it was banned, the the film was actually referred to as just XX in the reports for this Golden Horse Awards. So it's a Kind of interesting. Oh, actually, I apologize. Let's get, yeah. let's get the TV series also was produced in Taiwan as well. Uh, okay, gotcha. I, I read something correctly gotcha. earlier. Okay, interesting. Gotcha. Huh. But yeah, it's a little bit interesting on that front. There's, there's still, and it, that kind of makes it a little bit more interesting as well. It's just like there's still like a lot of controversy and a lot of just political discourse surrounding this movie um, that that's still playing out today. So that just kind of makes it a little bit, a uh, little bit more interesting on that front. Yeah, so. no, like, like honestly, it definitely makes me want to I don't know, look into it more. I like, can like, learn more about it. Uh, you know, yeah, like and that's another thing too, because like I said before, you know, before I played the very first attention, I had no idea that this whole white terror here period happened. And I, maybe this was me, but I, I, I vacationed to Taiwan. I spent a week and a half there, and I never, <laughs> I never found out anything about that. So. Um, but that could just be my own ignorance. Um, but I, I'm very glad that I did. So, yeah. But yeah, any final thoughts on detention? No, I know. We've kind of, I feel like we've been kind of somber on this episode about it, but I think it's more because of the tone of the film, um, and I think that also yeah, definitely. because it was a pretty solid film. There's not really much to like. Again, other than the thing that we brought up in terms of the teacher's relationship, I think it's like a pretty pretty solid movie, and like I, I was really into it. Um, I, you know, it's one of the ones too that like I would, I. I know we have our classic segment, but I mean, like, I don't know where to go with it. <laughs> I mean, do, have you thought of that? Do you, do you, have you thought of what you would want if there was to be a sequel? No, I think this movie is completely self-contained on its own. Any more than that would be that. I, I think the best way to kind of make a semi-sequel to this movie is just focus entirely on another aspect set during this period. Like, maybe a police officer who works for the uh, KMT during this time period and just wants to do the right thing, and then he's forced to do something that he doesn't want to do, mm. and then kind of gets sucked into an other world because of what he does or the decision he makes. Like, maybe he turns in his own wife or his family member or something like that and has to choose between family and country. That would um, or be that, political party. Be great. That, I, I like that a lot. That, that's excellent. That's a that's a great idea. I like that. Yeah, because I, I think that would be the way to do it. I agree. There, there'd be it'd be real weird to continue the thing anyway. You know, mm-hmm. that would be especially because there was no real villain or anything like that. It was just a, a, a case and instance. I think like you mentioned, you know, like having this kind of dream realm uh, appear again. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I won't pitch a sequel, but I will pitch a shitty American remake. Um, which, you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, some movie get like Anna Ferris to star with, uh, I don't know, somebody, somebody like, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking like a nice, like 2010s movie like, remake, you know, like, like kind of like, you know, like, uh, um, the Pulse remake, get, get those kind of actors together and have it be this big thing about like, 
you know, but but like do like what they did back in the, that time where they don't they don't they don't you know relate it to an American event where this is occurring, but they still somehow use Taiwan as like as the basis for the story, uh, and they you know, but it's still happening in America somewhere. I think I think that's what, you know that 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 would be the American remake, uh, mm-hmm. where the exact same thing happens. I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, I, you know I, I, I could I could see them using American some parts of American history wouldn't be the same. Or yeah, actually, they do is they, they'd remake this movie in America, and it would be like uh, about these people, these tourists who go to Taiwan and going to the school where this happens, and they get pulled into it, and they have to like learn history at the same time, and you know, but at the same time, the the writing on the script will be so bad that they won't actually explain the history. It'll just be like something bad happened here. And, but because they don't want to be political about it, they won't actually tell you what it is. And you'll be like, all right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my pitch. My pitch is a vague American remake set, set in Taiwan with white people who go to, this, go to the school and just, you know, very poorly represent the history of both the original story and the actual history of the time. Um, that's, 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 my, that's, that's my pitch. <laughs> um, actually, one, one very big follow-up. Why sure. is this movie called Detention? Yeah, like, <laughs> I think it's just kind of like I, the the original idea was just kind of like purgatory is a type of detention. You're detained in the. That's afterlife. really all I can think of. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying the movie Detention takes has detention. So, I mean, I've seen a lot of movies. <laughs> the 2011 movies, Detention. I've seen a bunch of movies called Detention, and I think this one has the least amount of detention in it. If I'm going to be honest, <laughs> um, I mean, want more detention? Got it. You know, they could call this book, book club. You know. Yeah, the Breakfast yeah. Club, you know, be great. Um, it also had a good amount of detention in it. <laughs> yes, um, a legal book club. There we go. I mean, actually, I guess you know there was a little bit of detention when they were detained uh, in the jail cell in that flashback. So there we go. Mm-hmm. That's. I'm curious yeah. if it translates direct if the translation is directly to detention, um, or if that was you know just a localization. Um, Mm-hmm. But that's that's my one nitpick. <laughs> Other than the relationship, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> awesome, cool stuff. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, once again, this has been Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror. Thank you so much for our opening theme song. That is Tevi's Atlas with the song Horror Movie Story. You can get that out the album Children of the Corn. They are good, good Canadian boys. Uh, we are active on Facebook and Instagram. So if you have any you know, requests or if you just want to chat, go ahead and let us know. We have done fan requests before and we'll continue to do so. Uh, we'll go ahead and check back with you in two weeks. We release episodes every other Thursday. So go ahead and check that out. The next episode comes up. Other than that, thank you so much for listening, and stay groovy. Bye.